and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 369, dude. And we have a bunch of books, actually eight books, probably the most we've had on the show so far as we continue to add more things. But what we're going to do is introduce something. It, it went okay. It will end up working out the kinks a little and we'll decide if we're going to go with it. We're going to have a lightning round. Where it's actually a versus deal where me and Jason go head to head to see who has the best blurb about two of the books that we're going to be talking about. You, you'll get the gist of it when we get to it. But before we do that, let me ask you to go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100% follow back policy. Also, go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, where you can get reviews for a bunch of books each and every week. And then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can help us out for all the things we do on this regular feed, but get a ton more podcasts. You end up getting more podcasts the higher levels you get to until you get to the badass levels where you get everything and you get to vote on the things we do. One of the big things that you vote on are the weekly spotlight. Two books picked by the badasses to get fresh crew. Uh-uh. And we do that as an exclusive deal over on the Patreon this week. They ended up picking the Ben Riley Spider-Man number one and the Silk number one. So two big number ones. If you want to end up hearing us, me and Jason is talking about those in about an hour long episode. You can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science and check that out right now, as well as other things. Some Marvel related things. The ultimate Marvel comics podcast. I do. It's a reading club where. We're going through issue by issue the Ultimate Marvel Universe. And I ended up just finishing up uh, the Hulk Spider-Man team up. And we're going to go back to Ultimate Spider-Man as we follow this reading order. But besides all that, we just got a ton of stuff. You have to go over and check it out again. I'll give it to you one more time. Patreon.com slash weird science. With all that said and done, we're going to go off to these books. A lot of books, a big podcast here. I hope everybody continues to enjoy the expanded coverage that I am able to do thanks to Jason joining me. So we're going to go to that right now. All right. And I'm here with my man, Jason. What up, Jason? Hello, Jim. Good to oh, see you again. Oh, oh yes. Here or we here are. At yeah, at least hear me. We we don't do the Zoom calls. Uh, luckily for you. I mean, seriously, <laughs> that would be trouble. But here we are to get got going. My, my, my brand new uh, Odd Taxi hoodie on, so I'm in my yeah, that's cool. podcasting mode. Little hashtag Odd Taxi deal. You know, I, do you call yourselves the cabbies? Is that what the fan base is called, the cabbies? Walrus heads. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. That'd be cool. So we end up, though, we're here and we have a lot of books. We have a bunch of books this week. They all hit us a lot yeah, of number ones. Yeah, so we end up, we're going to have a little bit of a special deal going to get a little more books with less time, but we're going to get right into this with The Amazing Spider-Man number 86. And this is back to Zeb Wells, who started out this whole Beyond stuff, and 
You can tell that he knows what he's doing. Recently announced that he'll be doing Amazing Spider-Man. Right. He's going to be the ongoing after this whole Beyond deal. And yeah, and uh, JRJR doing the art. So that's... Uh some good stuff. Yeah, some good stuff. And you can end up seeing here, like if you, and it's kind of a cool deal. You get the announcement and then you get a Zeb Wells book and you see that he takes things a little more seriously. Yeah, and I, I know you're not reading the uh, the X books, but he was the writer of really the, the most solid X-Men book that's been around. Hellions was a really good book. And yeah, I, I would think that what they are giving him the Spider-Man deal is less of this and more of the Hellions. And people were upset when that book was ended. And said that, you know, he deserved to get some kudos and things like that. And I think I read up to like issue four or five before I ended up stopping. And I did like it. I just, you know, my connection to the X stop and Sinister and things like that are not that great. And I ended up getting mad. Not at that book. That wasn't the book that made me stop. There was a bunch was of still, others. That, that book was so tied in with everything else that you couldn't really just read that book on its own so much. And again, I mean, I've explained it before. I, I get the idea, and in my mind, if you're going to do the X books, you have to do them all. And if you don't do them all, then you don't do the X books. And that's kind of how I went and haven't looked back since, except for every time Ruben messages things in the Slack. That's Ruben. all he and it. Ruben does that to to drive me nuts. He told me, and it, it works. But this is Seb <laughs> Wells again, and uh, art by Michael Dowling, colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Ben Riley is a clone of the original Spider-Man. Peter Parker is in the hospital after a grueling fight. Luckily for New York, Ben has taken on the mantle of Spider-Man backed by the Beyond Corporation and their head of superhero development, Maxine Danger. Ben has access to all things your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man can only dream of, a swanky apartment that he shares with his girlfriend, Janine Agadby, and an upgraded Spidey suit and brilliant sport team led by Marcus Mon Plaisir. That name is so fancy. But Ben is beginning to learn that Beyond isn't all that it seems. After digging out with Doc Ock, Ben came into possession of top secret data drive full of Beyond's darkest secrets. Secrets Doc Ock promised would topple the foundation of Ben's beliefs and his corporation's backers. That drive, as Ben told Maxine, was destroyed in the battle with Ock. It wasn't. And this kind of gives us something of a okay i see what was going on there it still doesn't make total sense i sent you a uh a note last mm-hmm. night while i was reading this and remember i said what does he mean by this don't lose that and i'm like did yeah, he mean we had don't a whole discussion that, about know? that last week which we thought it was strange and forced and odd writing and i thought it was pretty cool that this week we find out that yeah that's because he was he was doing a thing yeah so with that i said does he mean the mask does he mean that that girlish charm, uh, you know, we we were discussing <laughs> that. We see that what he's saying, because he ended up handing over the mask with the drive in it. So he's saying that. Now, is this that this was all the setup and it was always going to be that? Or is this Seb Wells going, what the heck? You yeah, it's obviously oh, it, set it up. But setup. I mean, it was only a week ago. Yeah. So he is being watched is what he thinks. So he's like, here you go. Have this. Um, we're being watched. I have to give hints. But what happened on the rooftop? Ben is being very cagey about making sure that uh, Max Danger doesn't hear any of this stuff. And he kind of he kind of loses that uh, that a little bit later in the issue. Yeah. Also, we this comes right after him and Doc Ock just talking on the rooftop through the whole deal where they should have already seen it. So that this doesn't solve all the problems I had last issue. With Cody Ziegler, it just gives us that, okay, that was felt weird and that was a reason. I can take it that somehow he turned off the, the surveillance as they went out the window. They, they should have said something and that would have made it more clear, but they didn't. If you end up having to get that, that deal, 
and then say, oh, man, it blew up, whatever. There would be the why do you shut your comms and stuff off right before that? Like, I don't believe you. Like, you're up to stuff. But you, you just push it by. So we'll have to push it by. So you end up where, yeah, Janine. Yeah, they, they didn't want to spend the drive. page on it. Yeah, so you end up, it was just a weird play of how to get that drive. They should have seen it. It doesn't matter by the end of this anyway. Everything's revealed. So you end up where, you know, Janine feels trapped. She has been a prison for a prison, all that stuff. And then you even have... Don't forget, we did have those. We had two scenes before the credits here. For those of you who have already listened to the, the spotlight, this is our third therapist scene in three books. So I think that's a trend. And then we, we see these, uh, Ben gets sent out to fight this new villain called Hellbomb. And I'm not quite sure what Hellbomb's thinking here, because his gimmick seems to be that he wears a suit with explosive bombs strapped to himself. And then when, Spite, when Spidey Ben punches him, he catches on fire. So I don't know what, what Hellbomb thought was going to happen here, but yeah, he might want to rethink his gimmick. Marcus is telling him not to engage with Hellbomb because of the idea that, yeah, he kind of explodes and you're in an apartment building. And if he explodes, things get ruined. People might be in danger and he has to react and he ends up doing what he's told not to. But he does that. Now, with that, Hellbomb, kind of a joke, right? You would think he's kind of a goofy, jokey thing with that setup. But Zeb Wells plays it serious. This is what we said. Why Why is Zeb Wells playing this more? I don't want to spend the whole time yelling about Cody Ziggler, but the idea that they treat Hellbomb here more seriously than Doc Ock last issue, and that is ridiculous, and that's why I like Zeb Wells, because this is a goofy idea. Hellbomb does get two lines. His first yeah, line is, yeah. gah, and his second <laughs> line is, gurk. That's, that's so all he gets. Here he is, yeah. So he gets taken down, but... That's snappy Zeb Wells dialogue. And, and again, it is something to show that Ben's not listening. He is a little ticked off, but he also is going to try to stop the bad guy because he's still trying to prove. I mean, that's the idea of this, too. Just imagine you end up finding out somebody, a boss, has said something about how, yeah, Jason, we think he's nonsense. And, you know, we're just using him because he can be easily manipulated and things like that. Part of you is going to be pissed. I want to punch him in the face. But a Ben here also still probably is like, well, I'm going to show them that I'm better than that also. Yeah, he's pissed. He's going to try to probably get out of this whole deal. But he also, I think, at the end wants to say, I'm going to show them how much I can do before I tell them to shove off. So he is still trying to do stuff. And he's going against orders, all that. And yeah, things get set on fire. There's collateral damage, but he does end up saving some people and trying to save them at least. Now, all this going in here as he's talking to Dr. Kafka Mm -hmm. and this therapy sessions where, you know, she ends up saying to him, listen, we can talk about everything here. The contract I signed, he even says, why are you with them? They're bad. And she ends up saying, well, I'm here. I'm a freelancer. I just want to make sure you're okay." And if you remember, they went to her where she was at Ravencroft and said, we need you for our corporation. She said, no, I'm not involved in it. Well, right. you might. She was only interested when they showed when they showed her who she'd be working with. Exactly. And they, they handed her that page, like, here you go, the it dossier. Turns out she has quite the history with uh, Mr. Ben Riley. Exactly. So she ends up saying, I even, an agreement, they're not allowed, you know, the patient-doctor confidentiality even goes, they're not allowed to look in on us. This is a secure room. Little naive here. Very naive. Should know better. They're watching. They are watching. Now, again, in this issue, suddenly after seeing Senny at Sandwiches and talking Goldfish, now we're getting to the 
okay, they are not good people and they are trying to do some bad things. When they listen in here, I like that these side guys are like, should we turn the mics off? (laughs) No. Like, we're listening here because they're listening to everything that's being said. And the stuff that's being said is everything that's happened. So they're these, these know guys everything. should know they're working for an evil corporation. They know to leave the mics on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, really. So you end up where that's going on. They're finding out all the information about Ben, the drive, things like that. In the meantime, Janine, she, again, she just wants to get out of there, too. And, and she's wondering what she's going to do. And she ends up, and I like this, too where she is going to end up using her prison smarts, where she's yeah. just going to pretty much get a knife and get the hell out. This artist has a different style. This is Michael Dowling. And it's kind of a, a more closer to realistic style, where, where sometimes it doesn't always work for me as well. But I think for this particular scene, where we're seeing on Janine's face, her thinking through, what does she want to do? And we don't get voiceover from her. We don't get any words from her, but the... Just the change in her expression from being concerned to scared to determined, it really tells the story. And I think that does a, a fine oh, job. Oh, I'm telling you, when you end up having Ben look up at Kafka and say, I felt like they understood me exactly. And that's a big line. Again, Zeb Wells is good. Actually, in a roundabout way, has a very similar feel, especially in this issue, as I get with Chip Starsky's Daredevil. The idea that mm-hmm. they are more like they're in tune with the characters. These characters aren't just a vehicle, okay, I'm going to have him fight Doc Ock, I'm going to have him fight this. It's really getting to the gist of what I wanted all along with Ben Riley in this. Yeah, I mean, Ben kind of fits in with the the Hellions in, the, in that, that he's kind of a broken character who wants a second chance. And again, you, you'll tell me, because I read a bunch of issues of the Hellions. The Hellions was a great book, not because uh, they're the people's favorite characters. It wasn't a great book because, oh my god, they had, it was that he actually got to the psychological, you know, innards of them and made them characters, not caricatures. Right. I mean, even the, the craziest, weird, you know, lady in an egg-shaped costume, you felt, you know, you felt exactly. emotions for her. And again, if, if it's crazy, if I would have Zeb Wells, a lot of people are, oh, man, Zeb Wells at, at DC would be awesome. Zeb Wells would be, like, I'd like him on Batman. I'd like him at this. I'm telling you, a book like a Harley Quinn. Would be the, a great thing because he's one of those guys who treats everybody, I mean, with respect, an egg woman. He just, And you end up feeling for those characters. And this is done in a cool way. And I love the line where you end up having him say and talk about the idea that they said I'm easily malleable. I, you know, my morality's off. I end up having being easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. And then Kafka says that must have felt like bad because you're very misunderstood and he looks at her and says no 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 i'm upset because it's exact they're right they are a hundred percent right i mean that's the worst kind of insult right if if somebody calls you dumb or somebody calls you whatever and you know it's not true it's easier to shrug it off but when somebody comes up with the phrase that you already have in the back of your head that's going to sting that you've been trying to get away from yourself but you can't and then they put that and yeah it is like a slap of reality to him. Again, though, we have seen that there's a lot of layers with Ben here. And that's, again, with this whole Beyond stuff, all I want to get out of this. We, I say it all the time. Ben is not going to be the Spider-Man for very you – know, Peter's going to be back. I need to get Ben so that I go forward with whatever he goes to. And this is starting to finally do that where I end up seeing – all right, you know, he is a broken character, mm-hmm. but I like those kind of characters. Those are more interesting, but 
it's not a broken character that ends up being just a jerk or whatever. It's a broken character that wants to get better, just can't seem to do it, especially because all he has is memories of some other guy. He's a clone. All these things going, and it's crazy. And I like that. I, and I think we're finally really well in this done. scene here starting to get really what's going on with Beyond, right? Because we've been asking, we've been talking about what do they know about Ben? Do they know about his background? Do they know about the Peter Parker stuff? What do they know? And it turns out that they know a lot of stuff. I mean, Dr. Kafka says, hey, you're you're a clone. And he tries to deny it, but, you know, she's not buying that. But the thing is, he's told Beyond and he's told her all about the clone thing, apparently. And he doesn't remember that because, again, according to Dr. Kafka, who I think we're supposed to trust, they took those memories away at his own request. Yeah. And he wanted that, which, again, is a lot like some stuff going on over in X-Men where people are getting resurrected sometimes without their full memories. Sometimes asking, like Domino at one point wanted to not not have some of her memories. Yeah, I don't want to have that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was even reading at that point, too. So, yeah. And so with that, he does he doesn't even really know... They they wipe the jackal stuff out. This is him, and that's the thing about this is and what I like about it is is the idea of wiping out you know things that you think are bad kind of gets rid of you. We can see why Ben might want to have that happen. Mm-hmm. It's believable. Yeah, I mean you would want it. I mean that's the thing that's he's had a hell of a time. And again, this I mean, is even the idea. Most comic book characters, he's had a hell exactly. of a time. Exactly. Yes, he has. And so if you go into this with say, you know, with a, it's a comic booky way of even going with the idea of somebody who has problems and they're gonna take drugs or drink to forget them. It, that doesn't solve. You see, Ben is still a broken guy. It's just now. You're almost getting to the point where Ben, because of the stuff, clone, jackal stuff taken, you don't have a, a, you know, a center of why you have these feelings. You're almost like, you know, almost like when people get anxiety, but they, there's nothing that they're getting it about. It's just anxiety. Like he needs all of his stuff back, but the problem is. They're going to try wiping out more. And you get that little thing here where Yavkovsky yell because that's Maxine shuts us down and they come in and, and dart up Ben with way more darts than I thought you needed. Oh, yeah. But again, he is Spider-Man. But you end up, I mean, so many. And uh, I, so, I thought it, it has that great panel where these, these alarms go off and he's about to shoot him. And the announcement says, if you cannot remain calm, calm will be provided for you. And that's a panel I'm going to make great use of it. Yes, you love that panel. I I think it's great. And he just gets darted up. He passes out. Now, that's a funny panel. And the nice thing is, it's a funny panel in the middle of a serious scene, and it doesn't undercut the seriousness of the scene. No, that's the thing. It has that Spider-Man tone to it, but yet it doesn't go full out making it a joke. And so when you have it's, this, it's not so a talking many, sandwich. No, there's no or a goldfish with the cabbie. T- you, you end up here with or, you know, I, we could go on and on. I mean, I could go back to where we had nonsense even before that. But you end up where there's been the, the worst part of this is, is that the Beyond Corporation bad. You see that, right? But he asked them to do that. I mean, it was that Ben it who said yeah. that. Yes, that's the big thing. And even there where Kafka's yelling, you lied to me. I'm like, come on, you really kind of thought dumb. we were going to do yeah. this? Like, seriously her, her now. Maxine Danger, she has pink hair. Come on. Really, exactly. But with that, though, they're going to try to, you know, take the memories out of what he learned on the drive. And they, But there is a limit. There is a limit to doing this before you break down. And even when we get to that, because we have a little bit with Gene Quick, but when we get to it, you even see kind of the look and why he was having these nightmares and things like that as well. It's pretty crazy. So you end up where they're going to take 
Ben and they're going to have to wipe his mind. But in the meantime, Janine wants out and ends up using, you know, the knife from the kitchen is almost like a shiv says, yeah, I'm pretty dangerous. I was in prison. Oh, yeah. I learned some things there. She she reminds Marcus of her past. And, you know, yeah, Marcus is like, oh, my who God. Who knows what she'll really do. But Marcus believes her. Yeah, Again, Marcus we get looks that, scared. We get that the face looks precious. Like, yeah, I, I believe she'd, she'd, uh, she'd stab me. Yeah, yeah. And again, Marcus is caught between these things because he seemed to have, you know, Ben's back enough to care about him enough. And even Janine, they seem to have this little, you know, she can call him and say, hey, come and we'll talk. He even says, hey, I got to talk to you. Uh, Ben's going to be gone. Now he's he's gone because of bad stuff. He's going to be gone for a little. He wants Janine not to get worried. But she wants out. And so with that, you end up going then to them wiping Ben's mind. And you see that. And all of a sudden, you get that look where Doc Ock talking to him. That's being wiped. And you get that empty face look that you yeah, had in seen. those that's nightmares. That's been a nice artistic motif running through all this whole Beyond series. And we kind of st- stuff starts to fade away like a Thanos snap almost. Of his, you can see his uh, his memories just disappearing. Yep, and they're scrubbing him, and I think that that is a cool deal, thinking like, okay, those other memories that he had, and, you know, those nightmares kind of all tie into his brain being kind of, and they were anyway, you know, but he has this, you know, brain scramble deal where at this point, then you almost get a total recall type deal of the idea okay. of like, hey, you know, let's implant these memories now, like, oh, you bet we didn't start the process yet like he is breaking down now Mm -hmm. and he's having a thing and like hey you know instability and stuff like that stop pulling memories like we we did this isn't what we're doing things are breaking down he is he's collapsing his mind is now all over the place and you see the swirl of memories going as he falls into it and it's pretty crazy and that's good cliffhanger and i thought that this issue actually is again one of the better ones that we've had in the oh, whole yeah. Beyond deal, going with the start. With Ze- Zeb Wells has definitely given us the most, you know, the best issues, and the ones that mean the most obviously starts it. But in this point, I needed this. This is like a desperation move here for me, needing something after those, la- that, especially that last joke issue. I needed something to be a little more serious, and then this was, and I thought this was great. It, this I- really got me hyped up. It. I, it gave us some answers and, and made us excited about where this, this could go. And and finally, you you see that, yeah, Beyond's pretty bad. I bet, yeah. And and even that, the, the best part about it is, is that Peter then says even the company, listen, they have shell corporations. They're doing this, that. They don't care about that. That sort of, you know, you know the financial espionage type thing. And, and it's just run at. That's table stakes for a, a it's, bad corporation. It's there. The yes, exactly. And it's there because it is happening. But the big thing is they are not even just taking advantage of Ben, even if it is part of him requesting things. They are just, he is, they're killing him. They're, they're ripping him apart. And so that, that is pretty cool. And by the end, yeah, you really are like, boy, I need Ben to get out of this. And I really like Ben. This really solidified the idea that I want him to keep going after this, have a book. We get the book that we got this week that we have on the Patreon, but that's an out of time deal. But I really thought that this was really well played. I like the art. You said it's so expressive when it needed to be and really really put the exclamation point mm-hmm. on it. It worked with the script to give you those emotions. I thought it was, it was great. Yeah, it was a great match. What would you give it? Uh, I think this is the the best issue of the Beyond Era, right up there with the early Zeb Well stuff and that one Patrick Zercher issue we really liked. So I'm giving this a, a 
a solid 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10 as well. And I think you meant Patrick Gleason. Oh, I got my I got my Patrick messed up. Sorry. That's Ugh. why That's why he goes with Patch. He does. It drives me nuts. But we're going to go to the next book, which is a new number one. Something that a lot of people were excited about. Rainbow Rowell coming off the Runaways run. Going into the She-Hulk book. Yeah, there's. it was interesting because people were, were excited because we get what looks like the old She-Hulk back. And then other people were excited because it was a Rainbow Rowell book. And those sets of people are really two very distinct groups of fans, I think. So we'll see who wins out here. Is it more of the John Byrne or is it more of the Rainbow Rowell? Mm, yeah, uh, I kind of think that the Rainbow Rowell fans will win out with their love yeah, of I this think book. If, if you see that little uh, Scales of Justice on the cover there, it's Tilting in one direction it a little more than the other. tilting over to that. Now that could always change after one issue. The issue is, is, what do you get if you're not on either side? What what kind of book do you get? Now, with that, I'm more on the John Byrne side of it. And I do like, you know, this classic She-Hulk or what I wanted to get from it. But there's some there's some craziness here, right? It's a little It's a little weird, weird because it feels, I mean... Almost like Hulk herself, it's kind of two sides at war with each other. There's part of it, it wants to feel really tied into Marvel continuity. We get, you know, hints at old characters, new characters, crazy cliffhanger we'll get to. And at the other side, it the characters and dialogue and the tone don't really feel like a Marvel book. It feels like an indie, oh, put upon working girl slice of life kind of, life kind of book. And I don't think they really match up so well. Yeah, we'll see. And just coming out of, you know, if you're reading all the books or whatnot, coming out of World War She-Hulk and the Avengers, and and I'm not going to tell you that, you know, Jason Aaron did any favors to Jennifer. She was savage Mm -hmm. beyond savage and really just grunted and groaned the whole time, and I hated that. So going back to classic deal, all right, that's cool. I kind of need a little transition, especially if you are, you know, kind of connecting everything the way they seem to be. She just seems like, what? I'm done with this World War She-Hulk. All right, back to lawyering. And it just it felt really abrupt. She's a sad sack. Yeah. She's kind of pathetic and mousy and just kind of, I don't know why we're supposed to be excited to follow this character around because she's just kind of sad. It's weird. And this is She-Hulk number one, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Rico Renzi, letters by BC's Joe Caramagna, because it is a first issue you just have previously. She's been in the Fantastic Four. She's been in Avengers. She had the powers of a celestial, but that's all over. So what now? And we see that, yeah, she's kind of a bit of a sad sack trying to get back to, you know, a bit of lawyering. She's not going to be able to be the high-priced lawyer that she was. And you're really concerned through most of this issue of what her wardrobe is going to end up being. That is a huge thing here of she can't afford anything and has one suit. But with that, I don't know. Again, that Which doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. She's on the Avengers. I mean, I know. Now, with that, everybody wants to lend her money. Uh, so you could go with the idea of, well, you know, Black Panther was going to give me something. No, somebody could give her some suits or something. Then just as a way of, okay, that was set up. Let's get back. Oh, your clothes are still at your old apartment that you ended up borrowing from Janet Van Dyke. So it all just kind of does nothing. And you start off where she mousey, you know, lawyer going down the street. She wants to fix these streets and get back to the lawyer and things. And Titania just shows up. You know, Mary McFerrin shows up mm-hmm. and says, let's now, duke it I out. Now, last I knew, she was, she was on Gamma Flight, right? Yep, she was out- on Gamma Flight. Yep, and they were on the run. 
that series wrapped wrapped up. It was right? just a mini series. Yes, they ended up, you know, pretty much not turning in the Hulk and then leaving. Right? Not that many people read that. I did, and I liked it enough. And I liked Titania in that this seems disconnected. They just okay. left. They were on the run. And I, this doesn't connect. As much as all of a sudden Mousy Jennifer walking down the street doesn't quite connect to, you know, world knowing World War She-Hulk is the best. This just, it's just there because that's the classic fight. And they're going to do this. And it's funny because this past week we ended up doing Secret Wars number seven on the Patreon. And we saw their first fight ever in Secret Wars. So this is full-out classic, it just goes on too long for what it is. And so you end up having Titania show up, I'm yeah, going to fight you. Chatty. Yeah, I'm going to fight you. Oh, man, you don't want to fight me. I'm not like that anymore. Yeah, you are. That's our classic deal. We always fight. Yeah, we do, but I win. No, I win sometimes. Yeah, maybe. You just keep repeating. It's rinse and repeat with this. Jennifer doesn't want to turn into a Hulk here because she'll ruin her suit, so she casually takes her skirt off I, I guess it's the skirt that she can't replace because she right. rips the shirt and the jacket yeah and, and I, so she takes those off and puts them away but it's weird it just isn't mary titania she's confused getting to the point where they do start fighting and then it ends up kind of twisting and turning you say and we said that it's therapy week here at marvel this even plays out like that like you just absolutely. need some yeah you need something to blow off steam i do too and it just ends up with, we'll meet in an abandoned Let's have lot. A fight club. I actually thought that what they were going to do then is like go and work out and do some kickboxing or something. It no. is pretty crazy. <laughs> this this fight scene goes on for a whole lot of pages. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pages. <laughs> and there's nobody around. No. We're in New York City and there's just, there's no people, there's no cops, there's no Spider-Mans. There's nobody. Now, at one point afterwards, when they agree and they come to the, hey, you know what? Maybe you just have to blow up some steam. And I'd like that, too. You know, I'm going to be lawyering up, but I kind of need a little She-Hulk action. So I'll get a hold of you. We'll end up fighting in an abandoned warehouse. It'll be great. Our own little fight club. This me and you. All right. Shake on it. Hey, uh, Jennifer, are you okay? You, you need some money? No, thanks. I'm good and goes off to collect her clothes, where now we see, I don't know, some rando and a lady walking a dog. And then maybe some, but yeah, it's it's the most non-populated New York City we've ever seen. And she gets her clothes to go off. We're almost done the issue. It's just been a fight scene that ends up not being a fight scene by the end of just blowing off steam. And then she goes off to work for Mallory Book, the best lawyer in New York, former Miss Utah, and the idea that the she's face giving... who's never lost a case. I yeah, hear. yeah, yeah. And also just as giving, you know, Jennifer, hey, I'll, I'll let you join up with me, basically, because I don't want to go against you in the courtroom, but you don't get any sort of, you know, fancy stuff. And so that's how you're going to deal with this. And it just, I, I just, by the end of this first issue, because we're almost done here, I'm just What's going on here? I mean, this is already a, a book where I'm like, boy, this is going too slow of giving me an idea of why I would need to read it. Because then she just goes and meets up with Janet, Jenna Van Dyne, Wasp, and, you know, hey, what's going on? It's me, the it girl, and hey, you know, and hey, I'm going to give you my apartment, and you have your old clothes in. All right, now I'm going to take a bath. What else is there in this? I, I just don't get it. I don't get the start here, except for being Rainbow Rowell. 
fans to like this, but I just I, I don't get it really. Uh, this whole yeah, deal are those are those fans going to I know don't whether know. Like, Titania deep cuts and and here at the end where after her bath we get this crash and she runs out and she sees somehow inside her front door yeah the Jack of Hearts Jack of Hearts who's who been we, dead. we saw foreshadowed back in that timeless book exactly. a couple weeks ago. Who's been dead for I don't know twenty years, and yeah, last we know, he had you know killed himself. He went into space to explode, and now he's back, and he's here, and he passes out. He says Jennifer, and we don't know if he's dead again or just unconscious. Or over. And so with that again, you're just kind of meandering about. You fight Titania for more than half the issue, then you go, you get the clothes back. I mean, these are the bullet points here, and then as she's relaxed. All of a sudden, the Jack of Hearts shows up. And again, who is going to think of this as like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I mean, you're just, okay, well, Jack be. of Hearts. I mean, it should be huge because that's just stumbles in. Apparently, I mean, according to Timeless, that's a big thing that's supposed to be affecting the whole Marvel Universe. And with that, is this connected to that? Or are we just going to see like most of this book really does seem like its own little pocket deal going on that is connected but not fully and you can kind of play but it's a weird deal to have jack of hearts maybe come back in a bunch of things at the same time so it has to be connected a bit but it must be this yeah, yeah. and so you have this going on oh my god jack he falls over i i just again maybe this is one of those books that just isn't targeted to me um but i like she hulk I, I, I wanted I the She-Hulk stuff too though this is a weird first issue this first issue really feels like it's like Hey, I'm going to make you work at liking this book. There's a lot of books like this where I don't get any sort of feeling for it at all. I mean, by the end, I didn't hate it. I just, there was nothing. I mean, how could you hate something that nothing happens in it except you get back your wardrobe and the Jack of Hearts comes at your door and you have a big fight with Titania to to go at the issue. So I don't know. It confused me. The art's okay. Didn't really even love that. I thought I was going to really like the art. It's, it's okay. It it didn't wow me, but yeah. I I just I don't know what else to say about it. There really isn't much to say about this book overall. Yeah, we'll it's just kind it of dull. And and She Hulk should be a lot of things, but She Hulk shouldn't be dull. Yeah, I I don't know the play, but uh, what would you give it? I guess I'm at a five point eight. Yeah, I think I'm at a six. And it's funny too because yeah, this... we're both a little bit down from where we were. In yeah, six. and it's funny because with that. You expect that a book like this, and I, I always yell about reviewers, and I go to Combo Roundup, and, and usually they fail, or, or always never fail to get me mad, but this one, 7-5. You have a couple real big, but a lot of people are like, I don't know why this book exists yet, and that's a problem with the number one issue. Number one issue, you're coming out of the gate swinging. you got to impress some people, uh, especially nowadays with all these books, and I just, I, I don't get it, so... I'm I'm very confused, very confused with it, but we're going to go to a new segment. This is the deal, and, okay. and this might be oh. confusing to everybody as well. But what we're doing here, because we have so many books, we're having a lightning round. I think there's a, a storm front rolling there in. There is, and I don't have any sort of sound effects yet for that. I was thinking about it, so I'll just give you this. Like <laughs> I, I'll give you a look at There it get is, a storm. A storm. Get, get some pots and pans. Start yes, banging this them. is the, the lightning the round. The old school Foley work. This is the lightning round. It's the versus lightning round. And what we're going to do is if we have a lot of books, we might just do this every week. We're going to have two of them this episode. Where it is, is me and Jason are going to go head to head, where we're going to both give you a Grudge quick, match. quick summation of an issue with a score. It has to do it in a certain time. It is 45 seconds. We each have same book. 
And I thought you said one minute. Oh, I changed it last night. I changed it because I ended up doing the one minute and I thought, man, that's real long. I ended up listening to the song. There's going to be a song playing. Uh, behind us, where yeah, it will change things up on me the last second. I got to edit my script now. I may have yours be thirty seconds. I, I'm in, <laughs> I'm all in control of this, so I can pick and choose how this. I'm already out of time. It hasn't even started yet. I've Ding, lost. You're done. Uh, but at the end, me and you. It's so funny. Me and you will vote to see who wins because <laughs> what we're going to do is give a brief, quick summation of the new Avengers issue. Will be in round one here. As, of course, I wasn't ready, and I have to pull this up here. But with that, you'll end up going. There'll be song playing behind you, and you'll hear a ding when there is 10 seconds left. And when the nonsense horn goes off, you must stop. It's over. If you don't get done, that is tough cookies. You'll have to just deal with it. But before we get into you starting us out, I will read the credits. I will read the credits so that people know. What exactly we're talking about And of course we're starting with Ventures number 52 That is written by Jason Aaron With art by Juan Frigiri Colors by David Coriel Letters by Avicis Corey Petit And go Did you like last issue when we saw some of the Interdimensional Masters of Evil fighting some of the Avengers? Well hold on tight Because now we get some other Masters of Evil Fighting some other Avengers And Starbrand grows up a little bit First figuratively and then literally also, some Deathlocks have a very meta debate over whether the Marvel Universe is worth saving. Those Deathlocks are all dead now, so I guess the jury's still out. It's mostly a long fight scene, but a pretty good one. 7.5 out of 10. I'm going to do mine. That is yours, so I okay, am going to be on the clock. Me. And here goes mine. It's finally time to get a bit more Starbrand. I was really enjoying the sass-talking young comic book hero. With time, Brandy could have become the next Gabby for me because who doesn't love seeing a little girl kick total ass? Of course, I can never have nice things, and the issue ends with Starbrand Brandy aged up and ready to take on the fight to the Masters of Evil. Juan Figieri's art is great, but this book continues to feel like a thin-plotted tie-in for the Avengers Forever event book which does kind of suck. And with that, I am still liking it enough, and I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I I still got it in. 45 seconds too long, so there it is. And and of course, we're going to have to work out the kinks of it, but you now know what we think about the Avengers 52 and a quick enough deal. Thought it would be We're fun. Pretty, and then pretty similar. I think I won. So there you go. I win. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. But yes, we, we both kind of thought the same deal. But with that, we're going to go off right now to the next book, which is something that you actually have been liking more than me. It's Moon Knight and it's Moon Knight number seven. All right. And Moon Knight number seven called Headhunters is written by Jed McKay. Art by Federico Sabatini. Colors by Rachel Rosenberg. Letters by V.C. Scorpio Petit. And yeah, Headhunters indeed. Moon Knight's ally, Terry, revealed himself to be the villainous Zodiac in disguise in the secret mastermind behind a series of recent attacks. Zodiac blew up the Midnight Mission and badly injured Moon Knight. Before he could do worse, Hunter's Moon, the rival Fist of Conchu, intervened. Zodiac escaped, but with the support of his new friends and neighbors, Moon Knight remains committed to carrying on his mission. And yeah, you, you've been a little more positive with this book than I yeah, have been. Yeah, I've been enjoying been. this little run. And this issue, I, I ended up, I, Gabe, who reviews it on the site, he was really pushing it. So maybe it was the idea that I'm like, oh my God, like we've liked it enough. And this is supposed to be, he's saying the best thing ever. 
And I, I read it, and I, I wasn't as impressed. It's it's okay. No, I, it just, I've liked some past issues better than this one. This one was fine, but it, I don't think this took it to a new level. Uh, yeah, I think that enjoyment. this just kind of keeps the same level. It's just the kind of thing going on here. Where we do get some reveals, we end up finding that Black Panther is indeed looking after and kind of tracking mm-hmm. uh, the deal with Moon Knight, which makes sense. He mentions that one after, point even After that, where this branched off from his uh, Age of Conchu. Yeah, Age of Conchu, and even mentions it in this, which is a nice deal for it to be thrown in by Jeb McKay so if people didn't realize what was going right? Yeah, he says, yeah, I can't really call them for help. Uh, and, and indeed, there watching but you get more more therapy that continues here and you even get this idea where i mean the the issue basically is moon knight wondering you know where zodiac is who knows zodiac i have to get zodiac goes to the bar with no name even going to you know knock some heads in or whatever if he has to but he just wants to know does anybody know what the zodiac is where he is what i can do and with that, it, it goes real quick. You end up seeing... Yeah, he, he does go very... It's very Batman-esque, where Batman wants to know about somebody, so he goes and starts knocking heads and shaking trees and trying to find out where his guy is. Yeah, and you end up having the gals outside waiting to see if anybody tries to run or whatever, and you get 8-Ball, who runs <laughs> kind of goofy, but you end up where 8-Ball right? I mean, must we have know eight something. 8-Ball back in issue 1 or 2 of this, this run. He looks different now, though. It's a different artist. The first the first time we saw 8-Ball, it was like it was clearly a mask with part of his like chin still showing in the bottom. This, it's more like his head is just an 8-Ball. An 8-Ball. And he's running, oh my god, I don't know anything, please, I gotta go, and, and ends up, you know, after they tighten the screws on him by pretty much saying, I'm gonna put you into a car grinder. Uh, he gives right. up. It's the it's the Batman dangles somebody off a roof, but with a little extra something at the bottom. Yeah, a little extra something. And there is the line too of the idea of like, man, were you actually like going to bottom. do that? I mean, yeah. And, and soldiers there, you cut the power soldier. Like, man, were you really going to do that? Hey, and I thought he was just going to say, if I wanted him dead, he'd be dead. But he's like, no, if I was going to do it, I'd make sure he goes in feet first. I'm like, that's oh, pretty vicious. That's, that's pretty so, cold. That is vicious. Uh. But he gets the next name, and the next name is Manslaughter Marsdale, where, okay, right, we're going to go to him. That's, he was one of the characters in the, uh, the Dark Reign series where this came from, where Zodiac was first created. Yeah, so we end up going, and he's going to go there. And, and again, in a nice way, when you get to him, if you don't know him, the big thing is he doesn't feel pain, and he says that. You're, you're going to punch me. I don't feel pain. Okay, well, I'm still going to beat the crap out of you. And I'm going to get some information, but he says, I don't snitch. You know, you know, I'm murder. I'm manslaughter. He says he doesn't snitch. Man, I love he the kinda, idea. I know. He I kind of lets it slip. I love the idea. Like he almost is like looking around is like, hey, and yelling <laughs> it really loud. I'm manslaughter Martindale. I don't snitch. Hey, by the way, go here. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to have some Here's problems. some other people in my crew who might snitch. Not me. I would never snitch, but some other people I've worked with. I'm not going to snitch, but yeah. And so, again, I mean, we're, we're almost done talking about the issue. This is what gets me in this. Very quick moving, very much things going on, and it's just one to one to one. Okay, you go eight ball, go to Marfeld, then you go, oh, the clown. And you're going to go to see what's up with him. But the big thing here is that, you know, Zodiac's ahead of the game. Zodiac is already, you know, thinking ahead and getting people in and thinking ahead. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is thinking ahead. That is true. That is disgusting, Jason. How dare you? 
How dare you do that? But yeah, you you end up though where. Shame on me. With that, I just want to ask you at the one point, is it just set up for later? I saw you ask, and some people talking about it in the Slack as well. The idea that. I don't know. It's so weird. They're in an alley. Hey, what's this graffiti? What is it? An invitation? Is it a I mean, threat? is she pointing to the graffiti? I, I don't think she's know. pointing to the graffiti. I guess. She's pointing up. I don't know if that's his background. There's like a funny S. It's it's almost like the S you doodle in your Trapper Keeper, but not quite. Exactly. I, you know, it's me writing, you know, Judas Priest. I don't right. know. You and end up I, doing this. I scanned back through some old issues to see if this was anywhere else, if it was foreshadowed. I don't know. It's not a Z. If it's a Z, we'd say, okay, Zodiac. Yeah, it's and an that's S. the weird thing. Like, I don't know. Is it like somebody revealing they know it's Mark? Is it a threat? I don't know because Spectre, yep, I and, don't know. It's and blocked then, a bit. That's the problem. It's not is, like, right? He's not really secretly Mark Spectre. I think that's pretty public, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, God, and, yes, I mean, yeah. even says, it says it's a challenge or a Valentine or both, but whichever it is, this is Moon Knight speaking, I don't have time for it right now. So he's even saying, don't worry about it now. I'm just kind of throwing it in, which... I presume it'll come up again, but I don't know if this is tied to... I mean, we know that Zodiac is the guy behind what's been going on so far. Is this something else being seated for, like, the next arc? He's also blocking it with his elbow, so there could be other things about it so we don't know. And it's just thrown in there, and it's a weird deal. Like, is this, like, the deal where Jed McKay, then, in issue 14... We see this and we're going to think, oh, man, that was clever. It kind of isn't yet like that. Why sort of is deal. Moon Knight holding his hand up like that? It's dark know. out. It's not like <laughs> maybe there's a street light he's shielding his eyes maybe. from. It looks like a dark there alley. Is a, there is a light source, but it's coming from behind. It makes no sense. But it, does, it, it threw me off. It'll be something, I hope. Yeah, we'll have to see. But again, all this going down. Where, you know, it is kind of a point A, point B, point C. Where, and very, I'm very procedural. You, and yeah. it seems like I, I'm negative on this. It's it's fine. It's just that's, I'm saying it's nothing that's elevated anything. It's kind of the same deal where by the end you do see the clown has been beheaded. And the weird part is that, you know, you go where it's Zodiac, right? And he's taken the head with him. It's crazy. It's really telling us this ties in very deeply with that Dark Rain series that I don't think hardly anybody read or remembered, but... Yeah, and you're talking I mean, I guess I guess that's the theme, is nobody remembers Zodiac, is what we learn in this book. Yep, and he's back. He says, you know, sorry, I missed you, Z, no head. Written, and in, even, written in what appears to be the clown's blood on yeah, the, the wall. Yeah, the clown's blood. And just the idea, like, he beheaded him and he took the head. Like, oh my god, but yeah, and we see that Black Panther is watching. He's got eyes and ears, and he's right. You know, that's concerned. that's why Tigra's here. I mean, we get the idea that she really is is Mark Knight's friend. She really not Mark Knight, Moon Knight's friend, Mark Spector, and she really does care about him and want to keep it, you know, help him out. But she's also there on a mission from the Avengers, or at least from Black Panther, who wants to make sure that somebody's watching. Now, I like that. It's not the idea of, okay, I got a mission and then started liking Mark. No, she's friends with him. And it's almost the idea where you can play this off as very, very nefarious. Obviously, the Avengers are keeping an eye on him. Kind of even ties in with the secrets that Black Panther likes to keep even in his own solo book. But you might even end up with this idea, you know, hey, Mark Spector's too dangerous to be left unwatched. You, you would end up thinking, okay, he, he says earlier, I can't call the Avengers. They're kind of mad at me right now. I kind of, you know, took their powers and tried to kill everybody and whatnot from the Age of Conchu deal in the Avengers book. But this also lets them see what's going on. So if there's real big problems, they can come and save him as well. Not that that might be their intention. 
but you have that connection where he doesn't think you have the connection. But when that, if that does happen, he kind of might feel betrayed and things like that from time. But it, I thought it was played out good. And and again, it isn't the hey, I fell in love with my target. No, she's friends with him, and and to agree to do this, I think that she's even doing it to maybe keep a better eye on him, not necessarily to take him down, but maybe if he needs help from himself even because, you know, of all this stuff. So I, I kind of right. like I mean, that. her her motives there aren't quite the same as T'Challa's. Yeah, yeah. So with that, though, you end up having an epilogue. You end up having the therapist come, hey, I'm going to go to my, oh, no, it's Zodiac there with the head of the clown. And he's just that blood everywhere, too. What was he? Was he swinging this thing around or something? It looks like there's blood splatter <laughs> on the wall and stuff. I don't that's, know. It, I mean, it that's, is kind I mean, of that's a, a theme of this artist. Every 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 panel in this whole book has a splatter. Exactly, like a splatter, on. and they don't necessarily seem like all splatters. I don't even know what's going on. Like maybe Zodiac is. It's a style thing. Yeah, it's weird, but yeah, it says hey, you know, I, I don't mind my spirits and monkey shines. Anytime somebody says monkey shines in a book, I get a giggle. But yeah, it's like hey, you know, I guess you can call this an intervention for a mark. So let's talk about how we're going to get this promising young man back on track as he sits there looking awful. I like the description earlier. I really think it's kind of Zodiac, because I've said before that Zodiac has a lot of the Joker in him. He's kind of like, he doesn't like, in like in Dark Reign, we had like the lawful evil, you know, taking over S.H.I.E.L.D., turning S.H.I.E.L.D. into Hammer. And then you had Zodiac saying, we don't want that. We want anarchy. We want craziness. So here... In, you know, Moon Knight is a Batman kind of analog. Here, Zodiac literally beheads a clown. And, and now he's talking a lot like Joker would talk about, you know, making Batman better, testing him, making him better. But he's doing it while he's holding, basically, he's holding Joker's head in his hand as he does it, which is not, it's not a coincidence. No, it isn't. And and the funny thing about it is, and it doesn't, it, none of this is going to jive completely, but even the idea of, you know, a guy who's kind of playing up as the Joker, he ends up going, and oh, that clown, he looks like the like a meta thing. Like you said, he's holding the clown deal. But it's also at a point where Dark Rain is going on in the Daredevil stuff, and then he shows up here almost like, the heck are they doing? Stealing my, my thing and, and getting. But it's more of the idea, like you said, the Joker wanting Batman to be better. That's what it seems like. That is his map, but he's going at it like a Joker type way. That's not the greatest of ways, but yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. And I like this issue. It just, you know, it ended up being kind of a scavenger hunt for a little. You do get some really cool stuff with Mark and, you know, see that Black Panther, there's some big game changing things. But overall, I'm kind of at the same kind of level that I had been. Uh, what would you give it? Yeah, I, I liked all the connections. I like that. I, I feel like I didn't waste my time going back and reading Dark Reign. So that makes me feel good about myself. I like the little meta Batman Joker stuff that is not being overtly done but it's being done in a subtle enough way that again it makes me clever to think that i figured it out you know flatter me as the reader i'll take that i'm gonna i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten i'm eight out of ten as well so yeah we're we're about the same and again it's one of those where if you're enjoying this book you're gonna enjoy this if you're loving this book you're gonna love this it's, it's pretty much a good book it continues to be i've been around that seven five eight level where a lot of people are at the ten level but if you Gave everything else. This is just, just, you know, it's par for the course. It's a very good book. It's a, you know, a slower moving deal, but this has a lot of 
you know, in your face, like, oh, my God, and it seems like it's really picking up some steam as well overall and not just having what appeared to be random one shots at points. But we're going to go to the next book, which is a new number one. We have a bunch of those this week, as we said. And this one, it's kind of weird. Uh, we ended up talking about Ben Riley. Spider-Man number one over on the Patreon, and this kind of gives me that same kind of feel, it's but very different. very similar. I mean, right. So the Ben Riley book was an intentional throwback to the 90s. This is an intentional throwback to the 1980s, like early 1980s, and, I think. And so you're, you're going into this, and where I kind of had a footing with what I thought and knew the Ben Riley Spider-Man book was. So I go into that, okay, I get this, I, here we go. I understand why they have it going on now with the Ben Riley stuff going in with the Beyond Amazing Spider-Man. I get to this. I'm like, okay, well, how's this going to play for me? I'm not a huge Silver Surfer fan, mainly because I haven't read a lot of Silver Surfer. And a lot of people love Silver Surfer, but not a big cosmic type of guy. So when I go into this, I'm worried right away. By Mm -hmm. the end, I actually was kind of not excited about it, but it didn't upset me. I understood kind of what was going on. The mystery is the mystery. Sometimes with the cosmic books, it feels like I don't know a thousand issues worth of background continuity. I can't follow this, where this book gives you everything you need to know. No, that's exactly the deal. And I really thought, okay, I appreciate it. I, I could end up. But there's a mystery in this. There's obviously yeah, and something again, going on. As soon as you open it up and you see that that cover, you know something interesting is going on because you get the old fashioned corner box. You get it. It it says approved by. He doesn't quite say the Comics Code Authority. It says the Marvel Comics, and then it's kind of covered up by Captain Marvel's fist there, and just even the text on it. First issue of a new cosmic saga is very 1980s. So again, if you're into that era, this will push all the nostalgia buttons. Yeah. I think I kind of get an idea of who's going to be your cover of the week here. But you end up where, and maybe not, I don't know. But you end up starting off, and I'll give you the credits here, uh, again, in an issue that if you are worried, I'm telling you, I did not feel like I was left behind, and that shocked me. But it is the Silver Surfer Rebirth number one, written by Ron Mars. Even the credits page is done classic. It's classic style. Uh, Ron Lim pencils Don oh, Ho. Sure. On ink, so done. How Israel Silva on colors and BC's Joe Sabino on yeah, even letters. The font choice there on the credits is 1980s. The little it- italics. It's the little credits on the bottom of the page. You end up having the recap the way it used to be in that quick, you know, in yellow thing above the the. De- I thought it was really well played and kind of I got a chuckle out of it. To save his planet, kind of kind of read it in a Stan Lee voice. Oh yeah, I, which I can't do. Excelsior, Morn Rat, surrender his freedom to become Harold uh, to the world, devouring Galactus. Coat it with a galactic, or galactic glay, uh, given a surfboard, obeying his mental commands, and granted the power cosmic, he now soars the universe, uh, shining sentinel of the spaceways. Marvel Comics presents the Silver Surfer. It should just say enough said after that, but you end up starting Nuff this said. out. Exactly. And you end up, and it just says the past. Again, they're not going to spell out exactly because it's just the past. And you do end up having a spaceship that is in a lot of trouble. You end up having, and, and it plays off a lot like a, you know, a Star Trek type deal, a very classic. Yeah, these are, these are Cree, right? Cree. Yep. They're Cree. 
and they're heading into, you know, a black hole and that the gravity well has already got them. They're going to die. I mean, and, and with that, you could go and watch the Disney movie. Yeah, black it's your hole, classic. It, it could be sucked. like a, a submarine movie or a whatever movie where the, the captain's saying, you know, it's been an honor to serve with you. When oh, they're about I was to waiting. Go down you had ship. to have been waiting, right? The whole time you're waiting for that line and he does it. I'm like, all right, he does it. But he gets saved and he gets saved by Marvel's son. And again, I don't know a lot about the character, this character of Marvel's son, but it was well played. Janice Vell, you end up knowing enough. I mean, it really is yeah, kind of, you could say, you, you could say it's kind of generic, but I, I appreciate that, at least for a first issue anyway, where he is going to save this ship. And ends up doing, yeah, I want to live up to my dad. Here I go. I'm going to save this cruise ship. And then you end up having the Silver Surfer show up to help out as well. Again, because of the idea, oh, my God, you're Marvel's son. I'm going to be here. I'm going to help you out. And it goes real quick where I like the interactions between them. You get the big, I'm the Silver Surfer. And you get the big fight. It's fun to me. It is. Yeah. It's your 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 standard team up where, you know, he saves the ship and then the surfer saves him. Or yeah. He, yeah. He helps him yeah, save exactly. Him. And everybody's happy at this point. He's like, okay, I don't know where we're going to go from here, but you have Genesis. Oh, yeah, he's all happy and he's like, all right, this this crew is saved. It's a miracle. Thank you. You did this. This is the greatest thing ever. You do get a little bit of an exposition background of the Silver Surfer, but just enough to get you going. A lot of the stuff almost makes me feel smart because I know some of it, like you said earlier. <laughs> and you go and they're just flying around. Hey, what's what are you going to do? Well, maybe we should go back to Earth. We can check out some things. I can show you some stuff your father did. Boom, they go through a barrier. That seems to crack the dimensional timeline, but and all of a sudden, there's Silver Surfer with Marvel, you know, right. Captain Marvel. It's and the same pose. It's, it's like Genisvel just transformed into Marvel. We don't know why. No explanation. Nothing at all. Just just cracking glass, and now they're in a new universe, and you or, get a new that, timeline, yeah, or a or new timeline, or a new timeline, whatever. something. And so you get the idea Silver Surfer has no idea what's going on. This isn't just that it, it changed and he's going with the he's like, what's what's going on? I was just with your son. My son, are you unwell? I haven't knocked boots yet. I don't have a son. <laughs> and they're in the middle of a battle then. And you have, right. you know, scroll stuff going yes, on. Classic are invading some Aladia, some planet. Doesn't really matter what planet. Scrolls are, are invading. And so with that, I mean Noren has to decide right away like, Am I going to be confused or am I going to start doing? And he has to do stuff and they do end up You know fighting he gets blasted At a point you get to see Again if you don't know Silver Surfer And you're coming in because I'm guessing that This is for people for nostalgia Who like Silver Surfer but also Maybe to get some new people in Because you get the power yeah. set You get some powers you could, you could hand this to somebody and they could enjoy it without any background Yeah I actually thought it was pretty pretty Good that way but yeah, they're they're just fighting. So you end up having dog pile, scroll pile, and he ends up fools. You don't know who you travel with. Boom, calls the board to me, my board, and come. I'm like, all right, you're you're right, setting he does up the thing. things. Yeah, you you get your things, and again, that is a fun thing for people that love the Silver Surfer. Like, oh man, he did it. And but for me, okay, he can do it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's well done the way it is. Though, again. In a generic kind of way overall, it's not anything that's going to blow your mind until maybe the end because you end up having this big battle. You get that, you know, big explosion as everybody's trying to gather their thoughts. Marvel 
He's not, he's worse for wear. He ends up getting <laughs> upset and yells, you, and gets blasted. And then you have, you have Silver Server Marvel. You live right. again. From off screen. We don't know where these blasts are coming from yet. We just know they're big. Again, to set this all up as well, you know, Marvel's dead. And so when you end up having Silver sure Surfer like go it, through yeah. that, I'm saying even before. So when he goes through, Silver Surfer's confused. Is this now? And he, because oh. he wouldn't know. So he thinks that, oh my God, you're resurrected. This yeah, is great. It, because it he, mentions that Marvel here says, I didn't survive cancer, just to die at the hands of the Skrulls, where we know. In the regular Marvel Universe, he didn't survive cancer. Yeah, That's what and, killed him. And so with that, he ends up... So we're well, not in like the regular past. We're in some alternate... But Silver Surfer something confused. Because even then he says, Oh my God, you lived again, only to be slain. Like it's something that, you know... Ha- and so you're wondering what's going on. And then you end up where you have this dialogue off panel. And it says he is of no consequence. He was merely a shadow among shadows. Arise, Norrin for Thanos of Titan has need of you and there's the big wow moment i mean there's a classic cliffhanger yeah, there's classic thanos. thanos so so i guess are that, we supposed to think that thanos created this dimension timeline whatever or is this the thanos of this dimension we don't know but he does say that shadow among shadows so i guess this thanos knows that this world is not, it's not quite right. right yeah and and that's the thing that's what i was trying to point out before with marvel and you were slain now you're back whatever He's not quite up to speed yet of what's going on. He's just because he didn't have really any time to. He ends up seeing Marvel. Oh my God, you're alive again. What the hell are you talking about? Let's fight. And they end up battling the, the uh, scroll. Now, with that, I will read because it's in the book. So I think it's a bit of a spoiler, but it's in the book here for next issue just to maybe give a little glimpse of what's oh, going okay. on. I hadn't read this and, before. Yeah, and just give it a little glimpse and maybe get people excited. Anyway, it says someone has stolen the reality gem and it's restructuring the universe to their whims. And it's not, it's not Thanos. Now, the Silver Surfer must do the unthinkable and team up with his worst foe to save all of existence. If only they could just stop trying to kill each other. And the cover has them, you know, battling out. I think that that's a cool deal. And actually, with that, gives you that idea, okay, that's pretty cool. And so with it, this team up thing, it, it almost reminds me in a weird way of the Cosmic Ghost Rider that we had before. Uh, where we ended up having Frank and gets baby Thanos and stuff like that. And I think that that it seems like this might be a fun little book that doesn't have maybe as big a consequences as it's trying to play out because it's probably disconnected from things. But I, I think it's well done for a first issue to say, all right, that's pretty cool. You got Thanos. Let's see how that goes. So, yeah, uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I looked up it. It's Star who has the reality gem. We've okay, seen a lot yeah, of she does. Yeah, you're right. She does have the reality gem. She doesn't use it a ton the way that you would go, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, but what would you give this? Well, I thought this was a, it was a, it was a good book. It has me interested. It had me interested in a part of the Marvel Universe I'm not usually so interested in. Uh, it's not my, something I'm chomping at the bit to see what happens yet, but I'm interested enough to give this a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I actually, when I read it first, I was going to give it a 7, but yeah, I think it's a 7.5. It's between a 7 and 7.5. It's a solid book that if you just want to peek in and see what's going on. But like you said, I'm not sitting there saying, oh, my God, this is now top of the stack. I got to read the next issue. Of the, but- of the two flashback books, of the two kind of nostalgia plays this week, I think that the Ben Riley has more meat on the Yeah, bones. it does. Where this is more of a, of a, a pure nostalgia, will give you guys some of the stuff you want, and here you exactly. go. Exactly. And with that, I swear to God, you know, if you would have quizzed me before and say, just 
guess what you will think of and whatever. I'd be like, this is probably going to be a five. I don't really care about Silver Surfer. It's not my thing. And I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, okay, it's it's easy enough for me to follow, but yet with a mystery and then a big cliffhanger with Thanos. There you go. It's just a basically done cool little comic to, to have some fun with. But we're going to go to the next of the lightning rounds. We'll oh see. Boy. We'll see here if if we run out of time. I'm definitely going to have to change the see timer. See if I've learned anything. Uh, I will see here. Well, you ended up, I almost, I played it off though. But yeah, I had a longer blurb than you did. So maybe you were the one who was playing it smart. But this is Strange Academy, number 15. And it's written by Scotty Young. Art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and you're on the clock. Oh, last month's unsupervised time travel was clearly too dangerous, so this month, the faculty and staff of Strange Academy let their barely trained first-year students hurl deadly offensive spells at each other instead. Doyle decides not to leave after all, because smooching with Emily is too darn much fun, and also because he realized that leaving might be the very thing that makes that dark future timeline happen. Hedinajar Chandu, a.k.a. Harvey Schlemmerman, might be great at making tiki cocktails, but he's not so great at playing chess. Calvin's free wish from Gaslamp makes him a temporary badass, but if he wants to be a permanent badass, he can't just sign up for Patreon, like you can at patreon.com slash weirdscience. He has to become a drug-pushing, wish-selling subcontractor to all his Strange Academy friends. Ah, you didn't get your score. You lose! See? There you go. I got I got the plug-in, though. I got the plug-in for the Patreon. That should get me some bonus points. I hear points. the ding. I'm like, 10 seconds, and he's pushing the Patreon. <laughs> what is he doing? I'm, I'm a company man. What can I say? What is your score? You, your uh, score now. 7.5. Okay. Uh, mine's slightly higher. That's funny. I start giving my thing before, but I'm you, on the you gotta, you, now. You, go for it. I'm going to uh, stretch a little. <laughs> It took Show only 15 up. issues, but this book finally gets some class, and I really enjoyed it. While it was, wor- I was worried that Scotty Young's magic as drug storyline might be a little sus with kids involved, it makes sense with Calvin and his desperation to be special. Yeah, the Doyle, I'll be bad in the future, so I'm quitting school thing was mainly resolved between issues, and he does want the smooches, but I'm glad he didn't leave. The art and colors are fantastic in this issue. And while I didn't think I wanted Calvin as the bad guy, I'm so excited to see it. That was a classic kids using drugs reference. By the way, 8 out of 10. I'm so excited. That was the reference, everyone. If you you didn't get it, boom, I win. How dare you? But I gave it an 8 out of 10. I actually thought that it was uh, finally we get a little bit of class. And yeah, it's full out danger. And really, everybody's thrown into the danger in this but. I thought that you ended up when when we talk about this book and I keep wanting them to have set class, you know, sessions or whatever. Mm-hmm. We got what I always wanted. You see Calvin's pissed. He sees the thing. Boom. So, yeah, I, I continue to like the book. It's just, you know, luck of the draw and stuff with all the number ones that we ended up using it as a lightning round. But that's it. I think I'm two for two. We'll keep a running tab uh, maybe, there. Maybe next time I'll have a shot. I don't know. Was it, was it close? Was it was it was I? Nip it neck and neck, or was I blown <laughs> out of water? You were close. You were cl- actually. Oh, okay. You're the Strange Academy one. I I think full out. Seriously, your Avengers one was way better than mine. So there you go. But <laughs> your Strange Academy, you would have killed me, especially with the plug. But you didn't get it out in time. Uh, now, what I think I'm gonna end I, up the the, the Shandu one, the, the the head in a jar. I should have left that out. Yes, that that, that, that might have <laughs> extraneous. Yes, now, I, with, I wanted with to that. make a tiki. 
Tiki cocktail reference. I I like to cheat, too. So should I reveal that your music was actually 30 seconds and mine was a minute? No, I didn't do that. I I was thinking of it. But with that, I think that it would have been a cool thing from now on to have it where each of us does the music for the other. Like, you prepare it, and you could have any amount of time. (laughs) The problem is, I'll just go one second. You're done. Yeah, it's going to be named that tune. You ain't naming that tune. But. Yeah, we'll we'll end up changing it around each week uh, with the timing deal, which might end up being fun, though it kind of makes it so it's a cheat for me, but I'm all for that because I always have to win. But with that, I hope people enjoy it. See, that one we ended up, we were a little more loose with that one. We're, we're getting a little bit of a grip of that, but we'll continue doing that each episode until people you know run us out of town until we get sick of it until yeah until that so with that though we're going to finish up the podcast two books big books though i don't hear a lot of people talking about these anymore especially in a week with number one so we'll go off to those right now all right and we're going to start this last bit with venom venom number four titled codex uh written again by ram v Uh, a lot of people are confused still about you know how we're playing this with the idea of al ewing and ram v ram v obviously being more but we're just gonna have to go with the flow it seems pencils by brian hitchings by andrew curry colors by alex sinclair and letters by vcs clayton cowles recently the wicked web slinger discovered that he had a son dylan now eddie has become a god the king in black and ruler of all symbiotes but on a recent mission eddie found something evil that threatens everything he holds dear after a bizarre and seemingly impossible series of events Eddie Brock is dead. Now, Dylan is on the run and in need of answers. He's gone to Eddie's old friend, Archer, Lyle, for help, leaving the symbiote behind. Together, they infiltrate a research facility connected to a conspiracy regarding the mysterious absent throne, but Archer betrayed Dylan and he was captured. And the Resurgent Life Foundation is about to make their move against the Venom symbiote. And I think that this is going to, and may always be, I don't know, this is going to be a book that I think we're going to have our biggest difference in score Uh, i i already have you know ram v the darling of darlings at dc with the swamp thing stuff jld he ends up having his own you know books on independent type deals which i end up thinking are way better than the dc stuff but a lot of people love his writing style i'm not a big fan of it it's very narration heavy in my mind which that plays out not as much here and you're going to get narration with the symbiote with especially by themselves but i think that ram v likes to stretch things out and a lot of times i just get bored and i kind of in an in an action-packed hmm. deal i was a bit bored with this issue oh, this, uh, more I than this you was pretty exciting it made some connections that well one connection i should have made last issue about who's in charge of alchemax but some other connections back to our, our issue one back to eddie brock back to some some crazy new characters that ties things together that i thought was in a fun way so yeah i thought it was a pretty good yeah issue. yeah i i just i didn't enjoy it at all <laughs> just say it right now i really I thought that this was a little bit boring in presentation. I think the art's great. The art is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Brian and Hitch, every page is a, exactly. is a yeah. sight to see. I mean, that keeps you going, even if you are like me and don't really you know, get. But it just he ends up, I always find that his writing is very plodding. He ends up having a cool idea and expands it a little too long. And I just end up losing interest by the end. But with that. I'm going to let you talk about this when you take the helm, okay. uh, mainly because you know, I, I didn't really enjoy it as much as you. So when we left off last time, uh, we saw Dylan and Sleeper and Archer Lyle headed off to infiltrate the Alchemex lab, 
and they left the Venom symbiote to kind of sit and sulk here at the warehouse. So <laughs> it seems we know they got into trouble because Archer Lyle was the traitor. She turned her up. We don't know what her deal was, what she got out of it, but she turned Dylan over to the uh, Alchemax folks to do whatever nefarious things are going to do. And at the beginning of this, we get Venom brought back into it because Sleeper, Sleeper was sneaky. Sleeper uh, both dealt it so Venom could have smelt it and releases this kind of chemical trail that gives, you know, the like a distress signal. It's cool. A chemical stress. Yeah, it's a good idea, which works well with Sleeper having those kind of chemical situation. It works. Yeah, and it gives so, you the idea where Venom the symbiote can find them very easily because, yeah, he left a, tra- a trail, uh, like you said, a fume trail that's like a trail of crumbs type deal, uh, but he gets interrupted, you know, on the way. And you go from there again because, yeah. yeah so he goes, and before he even leaves the facility, he's – well, first you get uh, some little chat of him kind of – he's not really debating whether or not to go because he's going to go, but he's kind of cranky about it. He feels like he's been kind of put upon. But because he has his bond with Eddie, he has to care to yep. which is a nice emotional connection. And it is true. And one of the things that he says, which does play off later and, and kind of is, is one of the bigger things in this, is the idea, don't you get it, Dylan? I have part of your dad in me. Your dad was always in me before, but there's always parts in him there. And that does come up full blast by, by the end of this Indeed. issue, which is kind of a cool idea. And with the big overall mystery of what exactly did happen, what happens when Eddie dies and what is going on here. So I thought that that was, you know, cool enough as well. Again, I thought there was some cool ideas in this. It just, I don't know, it just ended up, I don't know why it bored me. Uh, but you keep going because, you know, you get me excited already. So here. On the way out of the building, he's, you know, going to go do the you know, swoop into the rescue. He gets struck by the head of a spear. And who, who could have thrown it? It's our, our new villain, Spearhead who we saw last issue, we've got the Life Foundation on one side, we've got Alchemists on the other side, and our hero's kind of stuck in the middle. So this is from the Life Foundation side. They've got created this new kind of super suit, which kind of has symbiote technology, but they made this spear, and the spear has nano-vibrational whatever you need, but it uh, it can it disrupt would you, would a you. Right, and it disrupts the symbiotes. That's you know, yeah, and that's exactly it. And what I like about this is, is that you end up being able to show this at a point where it's just the symbiote. So you know, Dylan or anybody, and it's not getting we, killed or whatnot. We get the feeling whatnot. that that Venom needs to have a bond. That's a whole yeah. symbiote deal. He's yeah. stronger when he has a person teamed up with yeah. him. And if they would have showed the spear the first time with Dylan, you know, in a, it's a there would be problems you you might end up killing dead we're not going to kill dylan here so right. i like that you show that when it's just him just to get the idea okay this really does affect them they're they're doing their work they know what they're doing uh then you go though when you, you get back to dylan Alchemax. right so dylan's in a rough position it's this is drawn it's it's your your kind of techno body horror situation where he's being experimented on there's robot arms there are all sorts of pokey syringes and things stuck in his head and electrodes and he's having a bad day and what they're trying to do here is they have all these samples of different symbiotes different clintar and they want to try to bind them with dylan's dna to see i guess to see what happens but every time they do that it's like the dna rejects the symbiote and kind of makes it start to break down and that's a big deal kind of you know what dylan is and whatnot now right that ties over the whole codex thing exactly and i'm glad that you mentioned body horror stuff because it is and the funny thing is this is a little more or less subtle but it does have that 
Immortal Hulk feel. Now, this is Randy writing on a book that's co-written by Al Ewing. But when you do end up seeing, you know, the symbiote there and showing Eddie coming through it, the, it does feel a lot like, you know, some Immortal Hulk type stuff. Now, later, the next book we're going to do is The Hulk, where Donnie Cage just flat out announces, Hey, everybody, I'm going to do the Hulk's no. That, that's a little non-subtle and people flew up. This actually is like, okay, it works and it does. It works. And it's kind of a cool deal for mm-hmm. people who might have come to this book just following Al Ewing and may even say like, man, where are we going to get Al? I, we keep getting Ram V, but Ram V is doing a good job to kind of do that style as well, which is kind of his thing. He is a darker character type deal. And it does look horrific in a way that I thought, that's the clever part. It looks horrific. It's all crazy, but it is seemingly Eddie being able to talk to Dylan through this. But we've had a lot of swerves with Eddie. We we see a lot of generic scientists there with kind of their you know their heads all covered up, and then we get reminded that by the way, Alchemex is Allen Chemical. It's owned by Liz Allen. Liz Allen, yeah. You know, we've seen her tied up with uh, all this stuff before because. She's uh, Normie's mom. Yep. And so she knows who Dylan is. I mean, they've spent time together. Yep. So they were friends. She, she's torn, but she really doesn't like symbiotes. And she thinks that this must be for the greater good, that this experiment will be able to save people in the long run, even though it's, you know, putting Dylan through hell right now. Yeah. And that is the, a deal where I thought maybe you could emphasize that a little bit more, but it's played off as the idea of like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, though, the connection, yeah, Dylan and Normie, they hung out a lot. Last issue, they, you know, they, they showed oh, Ms. Allen being in charge of this place. I didn't put together, oh, that's, that's Liz, that's Normie's mom. Yep. And so with, again, with all that and the idea that even just recently leading into the King and Black and stuff like that, you did have Normie and Dylan hanging and, and hanging out. And I remember one of the ones was when, yeah, I think it was when Normie saw that Dylan was keeping that symbiote in a jar under his bed and some crazy stuff. So you do right. see in that if you get the connection and go with that, you do see how important, you know, it is for Liz to get rid of these symbiotes and stuff. It really does up the ante in a way that I thought was it may have even been you should have stressed it a little bit more. But you do end up having Dylan get get out of his situation you go with that because you do have that thing of you know eddie of the symbiote mind type thing we have a, a brief interlude where we're back at the fight between spearhead and venom and what we learn there is that life foundation guy is watching and they let the symbiote get away he's in rough shape he's just all stretched out kind of like a splotch like an ink blot and he manages to jump over an overpass onto the top of a passing truck <laughs> in the truck which is kind of funny, but they do like Right. Them, Remember yeah. the idea of Life Foundation, they don't want to kill the symbiote. They want to provoke it to like the next stage of evolution. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to get well, it to at evolve. At least uh, the guy in charge does. Spearhead, Carson, he, he doesn't care so yeah, much. Yeah, he's just the kind of the, the muscle. Right, yeah. Right. But yeah, then you go and you do and go And then we to- go back to, to Alchemex and we see Dylan kind of in his mind calling out to his dad for help. And we know his dad can't possibly help because his dad's both dead and in somewhere other planet in some garden somewhere. And so he calls out, and the thing is, his dad answers. His dad, who's, you know, the king in black in charge of all the symbiotes, all of these crazy symbiotes who we see is what they're using for their testing, break out of their little containment tubes, 
form together into like a John Carpenter the Thing horror. That's what it looks and like. And we see multiple venom heads and arms and colors swirl together and one crazy Eddie head who starts talking to Dylan. And we get a little black and white dad sighting, Alchemix facility, which we've seen the dad sightings pop up earlier as well back in issue one. So they have this little, I, I guess, uh, uh, the symbiote monstrosity here kills some scientists, but you know, whatever. We don't care about that. We care about this conversation he has with his son. And this is, this is the centerpiece scene of this issue. This is where all the, where all the meat of it happens. And we get this, you know, are you here? And you get your kind of standard, I'm here. I'm not here. I'm alive. I'm dead. You know, wibbly wobbly, whatever. And so he, you know, this Eddie, or yeah, this Eddie reiterates, did you contact Archer? You got to trust Archer Lyle and you got to trust the symbiote. And Dylan is understandably pissed off because that's why he's in this situation because Archer screwed him over. And he, this all started because he bonded with a symbiote. And, and now dad's like, Oh, oh, really? That's, that's strange. So, and, and then you get Dylan explaining about we had multiple use on the phone and here and there. And I don't know where the real one is. And this kind of surprises Eddie, but doesn't stun him. He kind of figures, Oh, oh, is that what's going on? And there's this weird line where he says, I can fix all of this. And then he says, Kane was wrong. Which is a weird thing to say, which is a reference back to in the very first issue of this run, we had that one page where Eddie was trying to not just send his consciousness through space like he always did, but also through time. We had that one page where we had this splash of multiple possible things going on. That's where we saw the crazy bedlam monstrosity. And we had in one corner, we had Kang say, I tell you this as your oldest friend, Edward, you cannot win. So we that's where Kang is tied up with this whole timeline silliness. And I like this. What I like about this, though, is that the idea that you would almost, if you don't play it out fully, you're going to think that this is almost like the Eddie Brock Venom symbiote answering machine. Like, hey, I hope you're doing okay, kid. Almost like if, if you were talking about, say, DC, where you end up having Cal... You know, Clark end up being able to talk oh, to Jarrell, right. but they're the crystals. They're not, they're going to, the they're the going to do so. Fortress. So with that, when he reacts to things and then says, you know, you got to, it's not just a repeat of, you got to get to Archer. You got to get to, don't trust him. When, when Dylan freaks out, he does react to that. So this is going with that. The yeah, piece it, it of him like still information left there. going back and forth. Like Eddie is getting some information from Dylan. Yeah, he is. And this little piece of him that's left you know, can't really do anything, but at least can talk to him there until he turns into gooey, I don't know, Jesus, it looks like at one point. I mean, he's all mm -hmm. disappearing and all going. And yeah, Dylan gets pissed, but he ends up saying at the one point, Venom will never let you down. The symbiote may be a lot of unsavory things, Dylan, but Venom will never let you down, which kind of goes against some of the things before and whatnot. So he's like, oh my God, how do you know that, Dad? And he's like, because I know that symbiote's better than it knows itself. And they're in the blackness, all that stuff going on where you continue you know, which Dylan, you know, which which father should Dylan listen to all these wonky things going on with the mystery. But at least that gets you like, OK, as you see the symbiote jump off the truck and start going through a field towards where they are. So that's pretty cool. We get some a change in the way the story is being told. We get some narration boxes, voiceover. We don't know where this is coming from. And the story kind of speeds up. We're seeing like flashes of Dylan breaking out of here. I guess there was no alarm going off because the scientists seem completely unconcerned 
So Dylan's able to take a fire extinguisher and clock somebody over the head and kind of start to escape and and try to uh, get Sleeper. And he looks like he's completely trapped and cornered. But that's when Venom arrives and kind of oozes down through the heating ducts, merges with Dylan. And Dylan looks like, I got you now, suckers. And he looks first, he's really happy. And then he's like happy and angry. And I'm going to kick some serious ass. And we see this full page of just crazy looking Venom with a weird pointy shield right arm. And he's ready to eat everybody's he's face just off. He's going to kill like everyone. I mean, he is furious. And yeah, and we get the voiceovers talking about like, here's what's happening. And here's what we knew what would happen. And here's what was always fated to happen. And we turn the page and we see this story is being told by Meridius, which is the crazy bit, uh, end of issue one where dead Eddie wound up in a garden kind of like a symbiote, but with weird things coming out of his head and a cape. And it's weird. We don't know why he's here. He looks like he just stepped through some sort of a magical portal. And he's talking with uh, Carlton What's-His-Face from Life Foundation. From Life Foundation. So he's what's behind this current iteration of the Life Foundation. He says that uh, he's Put he's restored Carlton, put him back together from what he had been. I guess he had gotten into some some trouble. So he's controlling everything. And he says, you will continue to push the symbiote beyond its limitations. Liz will continue to push the boy beyond his. And I will play my part. And that final page turn is, you see Meridius transform into this monstrous Hulk Venom Red Carnage looking Bedlam cat. Yeah, Bedlam. And you have that at the end then to be continued. So... Mm -hmm. Big ending. Uh, Again, a lot of things going on, a lot of spinning plates. You end up having, you know, there's the symbiote comes and saves Dylan. You have sleeper out, so they're going to go and do all that, and you get a little word from Eddie. But, yeah, uh, by the end, I still, I just kind of was bored through it. Maybe it's just I'm not connecting with the story yet overall because they are playing coy with a lot of things. Everybody waiting, even the idea of, like, when are we going to get Al Ewing? When are we going to get Eddie? Eddie's dead. He's in this other space whatever so maybe it's one of those that i have to get more of both sides of the deal to kind of go but at this point i'm kind of just along for the ride we saw that that weird presence in space in issue one i wonder if that's connected to bedlam and meridius if it's all the same villain yeah i'm I'm intrigued i i like that this is making connections we didn't expect to make i'm excited that next issue is an al ewing issue which i guess will bring us i hope some more connections, some more answers. That's what I'm yeah, hoping. This is the most excited I've been about Venom for a while now. Yeah, I, I'm getting the idea that maybe I've had enough of Venom. I, I mean, I really end up going through all the Donny Cates, King and Black, then after that and going into this, I end up, this just isn't, it's not turning out to be my jam. It's, it's a slow build. And you end up having two writers, Al Ewing and, you know, with this Immortal Hulk stuff, and then having Ram V, who basically said at one point on Twitter, that he would prefer to have one story last 100 issues and just kind of, you know, veer this way, that. And it's not about the progression and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's tying back into things, but it still ends up for me. I, I don't know. It just seems to be just going a little too slow for me to start off with. Yeah, to get I, I feel like this one moved us forward a, a pretty big step. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I get the idea where even with the Immortal Hulk, I, I ended up it, it just started going on too long. A lot of people, a lot of people love that book, but I just, I needed more answers than when we were getting. This ends up, yeah, it ties into some things, but it ends up giving you more 
questions and more mysteries that I don't know that I really need to have solved for myself. So maybe it's just that it's just not for me. But I do like the art a lot. I'm just waiting for something to hook me in to get going. So I'm a 6 out of 10. Uh, what would you be? I am at an 8.8. I thought this was a, a pretty cool issue. Yeah, this is one of those. If we weren't doing a podcast, I would have dropped this book probably last issue. I'm really not that into the story and that concerned with it, which is weird because I really was looking forward to seeing more Dylan and, and what was going on with him. But at this point, yeah, I'm just there's nothing hooking me in. So hopefully the Al Ewing issue will and we'll start to see connections even more and get me going. Uh, maybe this is one of those. And I don't know. It's not being reviewed. Great. The Ram V stuff which shocked me. But maybe this is more deep cut stuff with, you know, for actual, you know, Venom fans getting to this. But it's heading towards and has been more cosmic stuff, which isn't my thing. We talked about it earlier with Silver Surfer and, and Venom is a cosmic deal, but maybe that's why yeah, this is it's a, a dense story, but I think it's tying together enough that I'm appreciating where all the little pieces of it are. Now, when we go to the next one, it's very different because we're over to Hulk, which is a very straightforward story. Yeah, and again, not not a thing that I'm really enjoying uh that much. But it is Hulk number three. And these were the two books, you know, you end up having the flip flopping Al Ewing and Donnie Cates. And I thought, boy, this might end up, you know, making me really like both. And I'm gonna go and I've I've kind of been like, mm, I, I could deal with, with these not even being in a pull list if I had that. Maybe sometime we'll do the twenty four twenty five dollar pull do or die. What am I saying? Okay. Do or die pull list that we do over at the DC and see which books. That we would be pulling, but neither of these would be in my pull list right now. But this one is Hulk number three. It is Smashdronaut three by Donny Cates and Ryan Otley on our. I think that name says it all. It does. Uh, Cliff Rathburn on inks, Frank Martin with Frederic Blee on colors, and VCs Corey Petit on letters. Bruce Banner somehow managed to split the Hulk into three distinct parts. The Hulk's body has been turned into a starship. Banner's psyche pilots it from within the Hulk's mind, and the Hulk's psyche fuels the starship with his anger. Which banner harnesses by locking the Hulk in the engine room, quote unquote, and sending escalating levels of opponents to fight for him, uh, or to him to fight. With the world blaming the Hulk for a mysterious, deadly incident in El Paso, Banner pilots the Starship Hulk through a portal to an unstable pocket dimension. But during his journey through the dimensional between space, Hulk is pulled against his will into a different dimension and discovers that his captor is an alternate reality, Bruce Banner. I will start by just saying, Legitimately, when I read this book, I end up just thinking that Donny Cates is trying to be too damn clever for his own good. And mm. this book and the story has lost me already. I'm waiting for something again like the Venom deal. But the Venom deal is a little different play. I mean, that is done. And like you said, it's calling back to things. It is more. Maybe it's too smart for me, that one. This one is just too trying to be clever and smart i think trying to outdo the immortal hulk going on this i think that that is affected huh. i think it's see, affected i, donny I see cates this more. as donny cates very consciously not trying to outdo the immortal hulk the immortal hulk was very like dark and psychological and thinky where i think this is this is smash or not he's like look i'm going to give you some stupid fun craziness and i'm going to let ryan otley just now, I, I disagree. I disagree mainly because the of the mind stuff is all the stupid starship. You couldn't even tell me what that means to make me understand it. The idea that the Hulk himself is a starship. Well, we, we have the engine room where you get to see this this Hulk fight whatever we want to throw at him. But again, that seems to me like the hell 
of what we had in the Immortal Hulk. Everything is there and of the mind, Bruce, at the the controls I, and I, stuff. I think you're overthinking it. I, I think this I think is... that he's overthinking it. I think this, seriously, I mean, now that we talk, I think this book is a bunch of bullshit. Hey, part of my French, but I Uh-oh. think it is awful. And it has lost me. And with that, you end up having the announcement. I'm going to do the Hulk Snow, where we see now in the engine room, this dark figure that's emerging that isn't part of the real mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, there you go. There is the darkness below and all this. I I'm just... ignoring all the, the, the Twitter stuff. I'm not going to get caught up in that. I'm going to look at the book here. And I think the book in front of me, no matter what Donnie Cates says in an interview, I think the book's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's terrible. I can't even follow. I really, if I sat there and tried to explain this to anybody, epic fail. I couldn't explain it for anybody to even, and I'm reading this three issues in. I don't know what the hell we're doing here. We're in the Smashdronaut Hulk starship that ends up in an alternate reality pocket dimension with another Bruce Banner that is going to end up, oh, my dad did this and that. I'm telling you, I'm getting angry with this and, and not angry at you. Just angry at this book because not much happens. You said it's straightforward here. We find out what happened in El Paso, and it is the most non-thing. We, we, we sort of find out what's in El Paso. I mean, it looks like he ended up killing hint. people at a convenience right. store. We don't know why. Well, it's like a biker bar, I guess, what it looks like to me. We get these you know, bikers with tattoos all just beat up and dead and bleeding, and the place is on fire. And then we see outside... Bruce seeming to have just recently de-hulked because he's in his torn up pants. And that's all we know about. Well, and then he seems to get met up by this, this black evil Hulk guy, which we don't know if this is really happening. This is of the mind. We don't know what's going on quite yet. But so I guess we we're getting some hints at El Paso, but clearly we're going to get a lot more. Yeah. I mean, it better be more than burning down a biker bar and, and killing maybe mm-hmm. six people. It's going to be something. And while we, this whole scene is kind of, we see as we turn the page, we see uh, Bruce Hulk waking up in his alternate dimension. So this whole first section was him kind of remembering. So I think it's it, that whole, it, this could be not exactly what happened. This is his mental reconstruction as he's kind of knocked out. Exactly. It has to have something to do with it, though. I mean, and it better get bigger because the idea of this is the biggest thing that happened where the event, everybody's at, in, in aghast at the Hulk and he has to leave because of this. Hopefully we do see more. Obviously, we oh, yeah. will. It's not going to be just beating up some But bikers. with that, you end up having that when he's thinking back at that, he's thinking coming out all bloody in this darkness behind him, this dark Hulk again. When you hear the thing about all of this, it seems like this would be something along those lines because then he shows up with the Hulk in the engine room as the Hulk is, you know, killing this giant Wolverine and things like that, which uh, that wow factor is gone for me. Uh, But they're in this pocket dimension and the idea of what's going on here and how, you know, what was the deal? Well, this is one where Bruce Banner didn't become the Hulk. They ended up it was a success. You know that the right. whole this is one where uh, what's his name, the teenager Rick, wasn't, wasn't, Rick wasn't playing wasn't the part. harmonica yeah. in the middle of a freaking blast zone. <laughs> oh, right? the I mean, he's there, the harmonica. harmonica. Yeah. Rah, rah, hey there, buddy, what's going on? And I love, I love so, the innocence of that original deal because at that point it's just like get Rick and throw him in a ditch. He's in the trap. He didn't get so a So it seems like a good thing for want of a harmonica, a Hulk was lost. I mean, yeah, but seriously. it turns out that it could have been worse because. In this world, the gamma bomb works, but it doesn't turn into be a source of free energy, which this Bruce said was going to be, although I don't know why he made a bomb if he just wanted to make energy. 
But it just turns out to be, you know, worldwide gamma bomb war with pretty much everybody dead. Yeah, it's just war. What are your standard dystopian nuclear? <laughs> it's features? funny too if you look at the if you look at the globe. You're sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Like the idea is they're in the United States. Bomb. Ever, I'm like. Just because you did get, you're going to have some ramifications here, U.S., which they're not thinking for. But yeah, the <laughs> yeah. U.S. is just like, it is, there it, it is. is. Everyone, even Canada is. Uh, screwed. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Even like places Greenland. where nobody lives, those, po- those polar bears are, are exactly. going to be awful. I mean, what, what did Iceland do to anybody? They just, they, they gamma bomb everyone. And what that did end up doing then, again, saying, well, there was a, it was the experiment was a success, but then they end up pretty much making monstrosity hulks everywhere on this planet. You even see one that's basically, you know, a Jennifer She-Hulk there. And again, it's kind of like body hard type deal. But these are awful, awful things that are going on there. like a millipede with a hulk attached to it. It's gross. Yeah, so with that going on and all that, you end up where, you know, who did this? What was going on? How did this happen? And it ended up being... You know, in charge and who's in charge It ends up being the president, which he ends up And it's a it's a weird play To get you to that last page of Oh, who's in charge? Oh, it was my father And this ends up like, what? My, I meant my father-in-law <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> quick change President there. Ross And that's a cool panel, right? Uh, the art's it is great because I mean, it, it really it looks, is Clearly he used some, some, some reference photos For the Oval Office here, because it's the Oval Office He's at the Resolute Desk Which is, you know, that desk all the presidents Sit at, and you see the the windows behind the president are all just not even boarded up there. They're metal rivets, and we don't know if that's just for security or to keep out the radiation or what the deal is. But you know, this is the president who kind of ruined the world, and we know if Thaddeus Ross is president, something's gone wrong. Not that not that anything like that would ever happen in our world. Never, and uh, yeah, you end up even with the the wall rivets and stuff. You get the idea. This is you know, even if it isn't, you think radiation right away, which. But you even get the idea this is a militaristic guy who is may not have people liking him and stuff. And he's, but he's there. And, yeah, you have that right. reveal. And so he wa- he just wants to get rid of these abomination hulks. And what uh, this Bruce Banner wants is he's feeling a little more connected to them. He wants to study them, maybe heal them. So that's why he's off in this void, which was created just as like a dumpster for hulks. And but he is wandering around there trying to find some of them who have a spark of intelligence, a spark of humanity left. And that's where he ran into our Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, with this all, I just I'm not into it. I, I, I don't know these last two books. And I just I end up where I I still think he's trying to be more clever in the way that he has. To, he thinks that he has to do something. And when he said, I'm going to do like classic Hulk and just have Hulk smash and all that stuff. I'm like, all right, well, there you go. But then he has to twist and turn it into this. And you're also in, you know, a pocket dimension different. Yeah. And that throws we're, me we're off as well. Again. Yeah, and I, just, I think I'm going to predict that for the next few years, we are going to be drowning in multiverses. Just yeah. because Spider-Man's made so damn much money. And we have already the Avengers are in a multiverse. Already Justice League is doing multiversal stuff. Doctor Strange. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, movies with yeah. more and more multiverse. And they're going to go with this as well. And yeah. We're dealing tons of multiverse and the, the, the threat of that. It doesn't happen in this book. I'll tell you the one thing about this is you're, you're not concerned with, Oh my God. Like there's no point in this where, Oh my God, they got to save this earth. No, it's done. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? None of the characters here 
or going to a therapist. And I'm I'm good with that. Unless you think of the <laughs> of the mind Hulk. But no, with that No. Maybe he should go to a therapist, but he's not going and to And so the play but is and, about and the way that this works out better than say, you know, some of these others is you're just concerned with Hulk, Bruce and yeah, when he gets to see it, I don't mind or care if this other Bruce of this, if he dies, lives, whatever. We're more concerned with what our character, what our Hulk is doing. So it plays out a little different than some of the multiversal stuff that ends up being, oh my God, how are we going to change this back? And oh, this is bad and we got to do things now. This is this is better play than that. Still, like, what did Australia do then? You see all these all these people are just dead <laughs> or irradiated. But, uh, it is kind of funny. I hadn't noticed that the only place that's not covered is the United States. Nobody's nobody's shooting back, I guess. It's all just, we're the, we're the only ones who have the gamma bombs. We decide to first strike. And with that, there is that play, and I, I, most people have seen it, but it's something that always does intrigue me at points where you go and see the photos of the earth and you get to see the lights and that's where you can see where people have really gone you know and and changed the you know the thing and a lot of these places are where it would really be dark and normally and you're oh, right. like oh my god like, they're, they're you just see the gone. south korea is all bright and north korea is totally dark because they have no electricity yeah so there's craziness but uh yeah i just i <laughs> I still think that this book is BS, but I'm, I'm not as mad now. Uh, you get at the oh, end. Good. Like that's, I said, at the end, when you get Thaddeus Ross, I'm, I'm like, we could give you a little no, therapy I sit there at the end. I'm like, hey, it goes with the theme. <laughs> I end up where I'm like, all right, you know, you get Thunderbolt. Let's go. I'll deal with it. But just the concept of the end, like, I swear he's like, I'm going to, I don't know. It, it ends up being like Donny Cates, I, I really like. And I really like Venom. It got a little long in the tooth, mm-hmm. and then the King in Black overblown. What, whatever. Yeah, but that was dumb. Stuff like a Guardians of the Galaxy didn't care for it. It was continuing with Thanos stuff, but even then, it just didn't. And this right now, a lot of people don't like his Thor. I actually like Thor. This is one of those like it's almost like Donny Cates for me is three out of four books it ain't bad. Mm. I like that. Uh, but the fourth book, I, and this seems yeah, to be that I'm, fourth book that I'm like, yeah. I'm having I'm having more fun with Hulk than with Thor. If I had to pick one, I would read Hulk. Yeah, it's weird because I this might be more fun, and it's like in your face smashing and stuff like that. But his little things that he does, his little formulas and stuff like that, I think I, I like the stuff with like the Donald Blake. I didn't like the Galactus start of Thor, but I like the Donald Blake stuff with this King of Hammers. But this book just I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it's it's doing much for me and we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. Also plays out the way it goes with this multiversal pocket dimension type deal. Feels like a mini series, not an ongoing yet, so we'll see how that continues on as we get past this first arc and into the next. We'll see how everything fits and whatnot. Like you said, we just talked about Venom, which I wasn't big on, but that definitely, you know, you have these connections and going forward and seems bigger. This just doesn't for me. What would you give it? Uh, I think this is some big, dumb fun, and I give it a 7.8 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 5.5. But I, and that's, it's weird, though, because I think the art and colors are great. So it's hard, but uh, yeah, it's not, maybe I can go to a 6 because of that. But between that, 5.5 five and a 6, I'm just not into it. Would not be on my pull list, but... What is your book of the week? My book of the week is Scroll, Scroll, Scroll. It is Amazing Spider-Man number 86. That is mine as well. That's a banger. Now, this is going to be a tough one. Who or what or when or anything (laughs) is your gem? We didn't bring up any gems because not a lot of gems. All I can come up with is that I'm going to go with Sleeper for having the presence of mind 
to send out that little chemical signal to call for help. That probably makes more sense than my gem of the week, who my gem is Dr. Kafka in The Amazing Spider-Man just because she's so trusting. I mean, she gets (laughs) stupid. Yeah, I sit there, I'm like, she's such a gem. She actually thinks that the evil like corporation, a, oh, bless your heart, that, kind of a gem. The yeah. evil corporation that she knew not to be involved with them really specifically made side deals with them because mm-hmm. she didn't mm-hmm. want to be thinks that they're going to honor those. I mean, yeah. seriously, you thought that you are a gem, uh, you know, almost like one of those like oh, you're a you're a dull gal there, but you are a gem. And with that too, I really like that bit where she was. You know, trying to help Ben and has that connection with Ben. I thought that she played out as a bit of a, of a gem there. I was struggling. I actually was just looking at the list of books. I'm like, who in these books were a gem? You might be right. Sleeper might have been a better pick. I'll I'll give you that. You lost the lightning rounds, but I'll give you that. But <laughs> one for three. I'll take it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Doing First up, oh yeah, cover of the week as well. So, yeah, that's we had a some big good one covers too. this week. Yeah. I thought the the silk cover looked cool. I thought that was by far the best part of the book. I thought that the Amazing Spider-Man cover, the again, I love all the Art Adams covers here. It had that kind of uh, troubled looking Ben trying to you know think about his place in the world. I thought that was neat. It had this little spider theme. But I thought the best cover of the week was Silver Surfer Rebirth number one because it looked cool on its own and it also very deeply tied into what that book is trying to do. So Silver Surfer I Rebirth I knew it was going to be that because of that. I'm going to give it for one that you didn't mention and one that oh, okay. it was the only oh, thing boy. I really liked about it. I did like the Venom cover. I like the Venom cover. It's actually by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair. It's pretty straightforward, but you end up having Spearhead fighting the Venom symbiote. And I thought All the Brian Hitch cool. are is top, top, yeah, top. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that. You, you can't, you know, lose with, with that. But I agree yeah, with he's, you. He's probably the, the top Marvel artist going right now. Brian Otley, I really love, but I think the Brian Hitch and Venom is just. Yeah, you know, it's just good. Yes. And uh, with that, though, I think that the Silver Surfer cover was cool. And I really did like the Amazing Spider-Man in the way I end up where you, you keep at, you know, Amazing Spider-Man keeps being the cover. I want to mix it up and it's the week you don't pick Amazing Spider-Man. So I messed up. I just. But with uh, that, though, everybody, uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics and follow us. We'll follow you on back. You could also go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we have reviews for the issues when they come out each week. And then also go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Shout it out in the lightning round. As mentioned in the lightning As round. As mentioned yes. in the lightning round. And the big thing that we end up doing two books each week. Picked by the badasses that get fresh crew. Beep boop. Beep boop. And they ended up this week, as we kind of mentioned, alluded to, and I probably mentioned at the beginning, Ben Riley number one, Ben Riley Spider-Man number one, and Silk number one, uh, two, you know, big books. So we ended up talking about those. And two of these books that I'm going to mention now will be picked for next week. And we get a little less books. We'll have a little less of a workload, uh, which is nice. Break. Because I ended up reading a bunch of these books that we did today. Last night, and that throws me off. I saw I was up too late last night, and you were way late. late. And the thing that I ended up waiting on was thinking, Well, I'll do my lightning round stuff when I wake up and get ready. That's a mistake. I got to do that first because I ended up where I took too much time. People will think, like What are you talking about? That took you time, that it did. I ended up changing things and stuff, but I got to change up my game. But next week, we don't have as many books, so. It might be easier. Here are the books that are coming out. 
that we will be talking about two of these on the Patreon. Amazing Spider-Man number 87. You end up having a Jed McKay issue where it looks like a bit of Peter again. So that's kind of a cool deal. Avengers Forever number two. Big book. I mean, if you're following the Avengers stuff, as we talked about in the lightning round earlier, this is the bigger thing that Jason Aaron seems to be using his regular book as a tie into this. So we'll get to that. We we like the first one enough, so that's good. We have Captain America Iron Man number three of five coming out. Kind of one that isn't so important, but we're liking that as well. We actually yeah, were digging that. Fun yeah, we had some fun with it. And some nice relationship stuff. Shout out. It's an Alex Ross cover, right? So you <laughs> There's my tell all the time. Alex Ross, Art Adam, face uh, Yeah, off. it will be the face up there. Uh, we have Death of Doctor Strange number five. That ends, unfortunately, I'm not going to say it, but it was spoiled. Who becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, but maybe the issue itself will have more surprises anyway that that will make up for that. We'll see. We'll see how that ends. Uh, Devil's Reign number three of six. So we get that bunch of Devil's Reign tie-ins. We decided that that is not our thing. And, yeah, so if you are into completing all of the Devil's Reign stuff, there's some other stuff that the big book, three of six, is going to be out. So that's cool. The X-Men one this week was all right. If you're into X-Men stuff, you'll want to read it. If you're not into X-Men stuff, you can skip it. You also get a book that we mentioned uh, last week that we were intrigued by, Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond, number one. That's Jed McKay writing both The Amazing Spider-Man next week and The Mary Jane Black Cat, where they're in sexy costumes, ready to go. Ready to rock. Could be great. Could be trash. Now, we'll find yes. out. And with that, hopefully it'll spell out which you should read first. The actual issue, because Black Cat's on that issue cover too, but we'll see. And we'll we'll be able to tell people what we found out with that. And then Thor, Thor number 21, continuing God of Hammers part three of five. So we'll end up going that's with enough. that. So yeah, so that's, that's enough. enough to have a couple podcasts. Yeah, it is. We'll have our two books on the Patreon, and then a little less going on on the main show, but I'm sure maybe one of the, it's weird too, because I want to talk about all these, but I do want to have a lightning round, so we'll figure out something. We'll figure out we'll something with that. Yeah, so everybody, thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason, for joining me, as always. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, and let us know who won the, the lightning round. I did. That's I just told you, but with that all. Cheater. Yes, thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.